0: Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Thursday, December 7th, we are studying 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2-16. to In today's text, St. Paul addresses the Corinthians regarding the matter of head coverings as it relates to the confession of the relationship between a husband and a wife. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest Pastor David Boisclair. Pastor Boyce-Claire serves at our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. Pastor Boyce-Claire, welcome back to Sharper Iron.
1: Well, I'm I'm girded for the occasion,
0: sharpening my iron. Pastor Boyce-Claire, as we get started today, let's talk a little bit about some context. What should we know about this epistle called 1 Corinthians and the context leading up to our section today?
1: Yes, uh, the Apostle Paul is, is dealing with a troubled congregation, and uh, in chapter 10, uh, he he uh, delves into the uh, topic of of eating food that has been sacrificed to idols, and I think that uh, uh, you know this this epistle is just uh, tremendous in 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 assist well assisting churches in the first century and in the 21st century with with understanding how uh, they are to carry out their um, existence in the Lord and their mission in the Lord, and and uh, you know I think he he's he's very clear about uh you know dealing with uh, uh you know matters of conscience in chapter 10 uh, you know he says well if if you go uh, let's say you go to another member's house for for a, a for dinner and and you shouldn't ask questions for sake of conscience uh, about what is laid before you <laughs> that is if it's good food no <laughs> anyway uh the apostle says that uh you now if someone were to were to uh, come out and say this um meat was sacrificed to an idol uh then then you would refrain from eating it not for your conscience sake because you know there's no uh, these gods that they have uh, are not uh, uh true gods uh, although they may be demons uh but uh for the sake of the conscience of the individual that has um uh Uh, told you that and then but then he ends up by in in verse one of chapter 11 by saying be imitators of me as i am of christ and so that's kind of where he goes into this next
0: uh troubled area in in uh, divine service yeah so and but the the thought of the conscience is going to continue to play a role i think and what he just said there at the beginning of chapter 11 be imitators of me as I am of Christ, I think will also play a role because he's going to bring up the way that they have remembered him and they, they do keep the things that he has taught them. So so there are some connections, even as we do bring up a, a slightly different topic in this section. So let's go ahead and take a look at the text. This is 1 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse two. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions, even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, And all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contingents, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. That is our text for today. It's 1 Corinthians 11, verses 2 to 16. So, Pastor Boisclair, as our text gets started, I think we should spend a little bit of time on verse two, because for all the the talk of Corinth being a troubled congregation, we do see throughout the letter Paul names them brothers, fellow saints, he treats them as Christians, and here he even speaks some commendation to them. So talk to us a little bit about this commendation that Paul speaks before we jump into the primary topic. Yes.
1: Uh, Paul, of course, has a unique ministry, as did all of the apostles of the Lord. Uh, if if we read Galatians, we point uh, Paul is at pains to uh, let us know that that he received his call directly from Christ, uh, much in the same way as the uh, twelve apostles. Um, and then, um, uh, of course, in the case of Matthias, who was was elected and installed in place of Judas, it was, it was, uh, indirect, but, uh, you know, they had a very unique ministry as being witnesses of his resurrection and, um, uh, as, as those who are, are speaking, uh, you know, authoritatively as apostles, which is so very important in Galatians. Um, and, and, the, and, and, all, uh, there's always this language of, uh, having them, uh, receiving, you know, the apostle, uh, it, it's the the Greek word paradosis. Uh, what I have delivered to you, you have received. Uh, in 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 the case of uh, now in the case of his call as an apostle, he got that directly from Christ. But uh, the 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 teaching and the doctrine is like a deposit or a good deposit. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ is something that He delivers to God's people in the church, and the, and that they receive. And so in this particular case, He's speaking about um what he has uh delivered to them as an apostle of jesus christ inspired by the holy spirit even as the lord promises his apostles that that the that the spirit of truth will be with them to uh, assist them in delivering uh the the, the deposit and teaching the doctrine um, word and sacrament to the people mm
0: now you you bring up the word tradition or handing over handing down as it is there in the greek Uh, the english here translates it traditions maintain the traditions even as i delivered them to you sometimes that word tradition can get a bad rap among christians because there is a misuse of traditions no doubt but it's not the tradition in and of itself that is the problem it's when we misuse them that becomes a problem there is a proper use of tradition, and Paul seems to include that idea here. And talk a little bit about the the proper use of traditions and the, the improper use of them.
1: Yes, um, ultimately, uh, he he mentions about being faithful to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and if if uh, you know, especially now as as pastors in the church, uh, we we should uh, we are committed to being faithful to. Uh, the Holy Scriptures as the inerrant uh, written word of God and the highest truth, and then also to what the Church has properly confessed about the teachings of the Lord in uh, what we call the Lutheran confessions uh, and and you know when we are when we are ordained and when we are installed into an office as a pastor we are uh, we are put under orders we are are you know and the congregation is to receive. Uh, what we give to them uh, uh, and it what, it is that we are to confine our teaching to the teachings of the scriptures and and in this particular case um, You know, it, it's kind of like uh, the Apostle Paul is, is trying to assist the congregation to be faithful to uh, their belief and confession in, in the teaching of God's Word in in what they do um and, and and you know that's kind of similar to the manner in which we conduct our worship services over 2000 years um you know the manner in which the gospel is presented and in which the sacraments are are given handed to the people it is it, it's sort of like there is is a uh, customary way in which this is done to the greatest effect so that the gospel may have free course and and that the holy sacraments will be properly received. And in this particular case, the the apostle is talking about the disruption in in the uh, manner in which the gospel is heard or or the sacraments are received.
0: Mm. So as the apostle continues then into verse 3, he begins to lay out the theological foundation for the particular practice he's going to speak about. So verse 3 goes like this. I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So we have a, a parallel construction here. The head of blank is blank three times. Take us into to what Paul's laying out here in verse 3.
1: It's a tale of two orders, the order of creation and the order of redemption. A lot of times, um, uh, modern creation, uh, Christians who, who um, are, want depart from the, um, uh, the pattern of the sound words, the traditions uh, of the apostles, um, oftentimes point to uh, Galatians 3.28, which says, For there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. That's a different order. That is the order of redemption. in in which there is there is no uh, hierarchy or a a setting in order as as it is here. Uh, In in this particular case, um, you know, the Apostle reminds uh, the Corinthians that they are are, that God is a God of order. And uh, that that there is that order that he established at creation um, and uh, that that they should reflect that order and and of course uh, because there is some you know and in, in 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 this order of creation is it's pretty uh, much of uh, a uh, emphasis on the law in the manner in which the law works uh, to keep order in the world and 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 it it is it what a lot of times the people in our modern day fail to realize is that god's law is there to protect people and and in in their um, you know it's rather interesting as we will see um A a woman uh, who is, um, you know, in society, if she has her wedding ring on, uh, uh, the uh, commentator, uh, Dr. Lockwood, mentions that that, that's sort of like for any other fellows out there that are looking at her, it's hands off because that she is, uh, you know, she is the wife of another person. And uh, and, and so in that respect, uh, the Apostle Paul is only speaking for the benefit of of the corinthians you know and the other thing is corinth was uh was a cesspool of um uh, you know depravity and and so you know it, it you know like a, a woman who is a christian is is oftentimes maybe a victim of of uh the the society around her so he's he's saying that hey we're in god's family in god's uh god's house um so we are going to follow his his ordering of society in the world.
0: So in verse 3, this would be an example of Paul speaking about the order of creation. The order of redemption will be in this text in a little bit, coming up especially in verses 11 and 12, but for the most part he's going to be speaking concerning the order of creation, and I do think it's important for us to keep in mind that God does this for our good, for our protection, to give us places in which we are able to live under his blessing and flourish in the holiness that he desires to give to us. So in this order of creation, then he, he describes it in these three ways. So help us into to what each one of these means, Pastor Boyce-Claire, starting with, first, the head of every man is Christ.
1: Yes. Um, and, and of course, Christ is uh, the head of the Church. Uh, there's there's uh, a number of times in, in the Apostles' Epistles uh where where he speaks about Christ uh for instance um uh you know in 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 the case of Ephesians 4 uh that uh you know he's speaking about marriage uh that uh the man is the head of the woman even as Christ is the head of the church uh and and as in God of course has, he put all things uh you know the father put all things under the feet of the son God the son which is our Lord Jesus Christ uh and, and and of course in in line with the uh, uh, psalm 110 where it says uh, i uh, uh, you are um, the, i the god the lord says to my lord sit at my right hand until i make all your enemies your footstool so so in other words it's as the father uh places everything under the authority of Jesus Christ the incarnate son of god so in in the same way as as there is that uh, position of Christ as the head of the church. And, and, and that's not only the, uh, not a sense of being the source, but, uh, being the, um, the one in authority over the church. So in the same way, uh, God places, uh, you know, man under Christ and uh, the, the human Christ, Christ according to his humanity. Although that means, uh, the person who is Christ, As well according to his humanity and then and then of course that's that's the way it is in the church and and we all recognize that that christ is our head in the church he is the one whom we are listening to
0: when we listen to the gospel yeah and i I think starting here that the head of every man is christ and connecting that as you said that christ is the head of his church helps us to understand this language, and to appreciate this language as a good thing, rather than react against it as a bad thing. In our world today, it seems that, that there are many who would say, oh, if someone is the head over me, or has authority over me, that's a bad thing. But when we think about it in this first way, Christ is the head of his church. Well, as members of the church, we know that that's only for our good, because he's the one who's given himself for us, to wash us, to cleanse us from all of our sins, So when we recognize Christ as the head of every man here, and Christ is the head of his church, and we see that this is a good thing, I think that's especially going to help us as we think about what it means that the husband is the head of the wife, or these other examples of of headship. This is a good thing that God is giving, not something that we should rebel against as if God's trying to ruin all our fun or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Dr. Lockwood in his commentary uh, has a beautiful uh, presentation of that, uh, when when he speaks about the husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church, when Christ is the head of the church, he puts the church above himself, or as mo- something that's more important, is it is his entire uh, goal as as in his office as the Savior, as as uh, the Messiah, to um, uh, make his church his bride holy. That there's another there's another. Picture too that uh, the the church is is the bride of Christ and He sheds His blood to uh, uh, ransom uh, all people from from their sins and to um, and to present His church uh, holy without blemish and without spot through holy baptism. So in, in the same way as as a husband uh, desires always to place his wife above himself and and, and it's a it is a authority or a headship of service mm.
0: yeah so okay we we've talked at length about the fact that the head of every man is Christ and then the next thing that Paul says here is that the head of a wife is her husband in speaking at, about Ephesians 5 where Paul also uses the same language and speaks at greater length concerning the relationship between a husband and a wife We've already kind of touched on this, but Pastor Boyce-Claire, just make sure we know what we're talking about. What does he mean when he says here in First Corinthians 11, the head of a wife is her husband? Yes. Um, th- then
1: uh, we're thinking of uh, Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 16, where um, after the fall into sin, um, the um, uh, of course uh, he says to the woman uh that uh, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you there there has to, in a sense that's god's plan to uh, uh you know in, in the in the context of of rescuing humanity that he that he has to set things in order uh you know in paradise of course uh and 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 it's wonderful to note that uh uh, that holy matrimony marriage was something that was instituted by god in paradise itself and so there was no need for um you know maybe for there to be a structure of of authority an order of creation um and that that was established after sin had come into the world and then after uh, continuing with the world going on from bad to worse uh, all the bloodshed and so on after the flood uh, god established government Uh, over over the world uh, so that uh, whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed and so that it's kind of like the provision as it is now because of sin in the world Uh, but it is for the protection of the wife that that uh, that the husband is 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 set in in the christian family as the head of the wife
0: and i think there is an element of that in the creation account too, just in Genesis 2, which it seems Paul is going to reference here in a a few verses as we get to it in verse 8, where he says, man was not made from woman, but woman from man, so that even before the fall into sin, there is this relationship between a husband and a wife in the the way that a man is going to, or a husband is going to relate to his wife differently than the wife is going to relate to the husband. There are certainly plenty of things that they do within the relationship that are mutual, but I I think even before the fall and descend, just as Paul lays it out there from the account of creation, there's something in that relationship that is complementary. In other words, the the wife has something that the husband doesn't, and the husband has something that the wife doesn't. Does that make sense? Exactly. I like that beautiful uh, saying
1: where she was not taken from his head to be over him, and she was not taken from his feet to be tread, uh, trod on, and, and and disparaged, but she was taken from his rib so that she might be at his side to uh, uh, be 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 uh, uh, hugged and comforted and protected and loved, and and, and of course the and, and of course a husband appreciates the love and, and protection he receives from his wife as well.
0: So, but I, verse, I think
1: you said a, a very good good point that there is a there is a distinction. Uh, that it is kind of placed in the uh, wife's wheelhouse to uh, to submit to her husband as as to Christ, and and the and the husband is like Christ, and and the husband is to love his wife like Christ loves the church.
0: Yeah, and and again, not to because this isn't a study on Ephesians five, not to go too far over there, but it is a, a when you see that relationship working like that, where the husband is sacrificing his own needs for the sake of his wife to protect her and give to her and the wife then in turn is is receiving those gifts with joy and support and and as his helpmate that's a, just a wonderful thing to see and nothing but a healthy picture of marriage not some sort of a slavery or tyranny but but that beautiful picture of the way Christ relates to his church, and the church relates back to him. So again, this is a this is a good thing, is what we need to keep in mind, because our world will often hear these words and think this is some kind of bad thing. No, this is a good thing. So it is good that the head of every man is Christ. It is good that the high head of a wife is her husband. It is also good that the head of Christ is God. Now, theologically, this might be a little bit confusing, because well, Pastor Boyce-Claire, we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, of the same substance with the Father in the Nicene Creed. So what does it mean that the, the head of Christ is God?
1: Well, I, and, and here I like to quote from the uh, Athanasian Creed, which is another one of our, our creeds, where it says that, um, that Christ, uh, well, the Son, God the Son, who is, who is incarnate, a, a human being, as Jesus Christ, is equal to the father with respect to his divinity as he is god and he is less than the father with respect to his humanity so so again this, this comes in the re- in the order of redemption that christ became a human being uh, one of the persons of the holy trinity uh um, you know is is distinguished from the other two uh, as, as some of the church fathers have said, it's just like uh, two, uh, three sisters. The two sisters help the middle sister on with her dress. Uh, so in the same way, uh, the Father and the Holy Spirit assist in the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ who puts on himself humanity uh, so that uh, you know, he can um, be under God and be sent by God in order to save the world and, and uh, you know, subordinates himself to the Father according to his humanity.
0: So a- as we consider that the head of Christ is God, this is not to say that Jesus is somehow less than God. He is fully God of the same substance. But according to his humanity, well, as, as Paul talks about, he, he makes himself a, a servant, he subjects himself to death, and so according to his humanity in that sense, the head of Christ is God. Is that, am I following you? Yes, exactly.
1: And then and then you have the uh the passage from um from um uh 1 Corinthians or well later. You know, you will be dealing with this later on in this in looking at this particular uh where he uh then will come the end when when uh he will the son will submit everything to the father and then God okay as is um, just to, you know, read from 1 Corinthians 15 where it says, when all things are subjected to him, you know, for, for the Father placed uh, Jesus Christ, God the Son over uh, all creation, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. And that's, that's kind of the promise for, uh, for the
0: life to come. Another another place to, to look for for this would be the Gospel of John, where, for example, in, in John chapter 10, uh, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So, so the Son of God is of the same substance of the Father, as we confess in the Nicene Creed. Later in that same Gospel, in John 14, 28, Jesus also says that the Father is greater than I, according to his humanity, he speaks there, just as you quoted from the, the Athanasian Creed. So within the context of one Gospel, you see, you see both those things being said, and although it may not, may not make sense to us, both things are true, according to the mystery of the incarnation of the Son of God. Because the Son of God has taken on our humanity, those things are true, and we confess them as Christians, and that's what's behind Paul's words here in 1 Corinthians 11. Now, Pastor Briscoe, I really think then that verse 3 is going to set the theological foundation for everything else that's going to come in this chapter. And we're going to pick that up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor David Boiscler this morning. We will be right back. Please stick around.
2: Did you know that an investment with Lutheran Church Extension Fund exclusively supports LCMS ministries and church workers? That's right. LCEF ensures LCMS churches, schools, and organizations have access to the financial resources they need to sustain, strengthen, and start ministry work. In other words, you can feel good investing with LCEF because we share your Lutheran values and love for the church. Learn more at lcef.org.
0: Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Thursday, December 7th. We're studying 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 to 16 with Pastor David Boiscler. He serves at our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. Pastor Boiscler, prior to the break, we looked at Paul's words in verse 3 that really lay the foundation for everything else that comes in this chapter, that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. He then goes on to apply that beginning in verse 4, Concerning men who would pray or prophesy with a head covered or a wife who would pray or prophesy with a head uncovered. Help us with some, some context. What's, what's the issue here? Because this seems perhaps a bit foreign to us today. Well,
1: uh, obviously, this, he's speaking about uh, things that are done in first century culture, uh, the first century uh, Corinth. Um, it, it was customary among the pagan, uh, priests, uh, the male men, male priests, even as we see, uh, statues, uh, like of the emperor, uh, at the time of our Lord's birth, uh, Caesar Augustus, uh, that he would cover his head when he was, uh, acting as a priest in a pagan, in his pagan temple, uh, that also, uh, it, it was customary among the, uh, Uh, male priests in um, the city of Corinth perhaps to cover their heads and um, you know it's maybe in in line uh, you know the apostle is talking about um, you know just just practices in in cultural practices which will reflect uh, the order of creation and and that's why you know he's saying here that it is our practice in our congregations that uh, the man is not covered uh, with has not uh, placed something over his head and and you know it's rather interesting is that uh, in the uh, Jewish synagogue at this time uh, you know that was the that was the case that the men would not be covered but the uh, because they would only cover their heads in if they were mourning uh, in, in loss for a loved one. Uh, that, but that it was in the fourth century A.D. that the custom came in Judaism for a, um, uh, a Jewish man to uh, take his prayer shawl and and to cover his head uh, in in that way. But at this time, of course, uh, you know among among the Jews, as it was among the Christians, is was the uh, men in uh, the worship service would not uh, have a covering. Um, it's interesting, uh, what, what is, how does a woman cover her head? Well, probably with a, a
0: shawl, uh, as uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Lockwood in his commentary mentions. Hmm. So within the practices that Paul's describing, there is a concern for a proper confession of this order of creation that he's laid out in verse 3, particularly the relationship between a husband and a wife, And within the context of the the first century culture, and even some of the pagan practices that ought to be avoided and would not confess the order of creation as as God has given it, Paul gives these instructions concerning a, a man who would pray with his head covered, or a wife who would pray with her head uncovered, again, as a matter of actions that would confess properly the truth that God has given in this order of creation. Is that a a decent summary of what's happening there in four and five. Oh, absolutely.
1: And and what's rather interesting, it's it's kind of like uh, as as we deal with uh, how we conduct ourselves uh, in in the life of the congregation uh, is is that um, you know especially if there's misunderstandings. Obviously, in in Corinth at this time, you know they were surrounded by uh, the pagan cult of. Uh, the goddess of of love, uh, Aphrodite or Venus, uh, and and there was all of the uh, cult prostitution that was going on, um, and and so there, you know, he's saying that you know we are we are uh, the ch- those who are called out, the church, the ecclesia, and so we are to. Um, you know, conduct ourselves in in a manner that that uh, confesses our faith in God, who is the creator and the orderer of of the universe, and 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 even though perhaps it might be, you know, m- maybe it's it could be considered. Uh what we call an indifferent thing whether whether a man covers himself or a woman doesn't cover herself or or we now we of course have the pastors dressing in investments which are very similar to the ancient dress of the Romans of the first century uh so so in other words the the apparel of the the worship uh, uh apparel of of the pastor is something which is which hasn't changed over the centuries. Uh, but, but yet, uh, when these practices uh, are are confessing certain things, it's important for us to, uh, you know, conduct ourselves in a way that um, makes a clear
0: confession of, of our faith in God. I think that relates to the way that Paul talked about the conscience in the previous text, that, you know, when you find out that this meat has been sacrificed to idols— then you shouldn't participate for the sake of conscience, for the sake of the conscience that has informed you, lest that conscience be led astray. And so a similar concern for conscience and confession of the truth seems to be in the background here, again in chapter 11. Now, as as he continues then into verses 6 and 7 to give more instruction, he says in verse 6, If a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short, but since that's disgraceful, let her cover her head. What's he saying there in verse six?
1: Yeah, well, he's he's trying to make the argument of what is going on uh, in in their in their culture around them uh, that um, uh, you know if people are coming into the congregation and and they're they're pagans and and they see the the the, um, the women. Uh, conduct themselves in maybe with their not covering their head or not having authority on their head as we will we'll see in the in the text later um that 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 they will be um in saying well it's the same thing here in this uh christian church as it is in uh, the temple of dionysus which who uh you know a lot had the uh maybe had the women uh uncover their heads and allow the their long hair to be visible uh, and, then, and, and then the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, um, uh, maybe, w- w- you know, it's uh, what you're doing here. It's, uh, it's similar to that. I, I like uh, uh, in Dr. Lockwood's commentary says, well, it, it would be similar to a man wearing a dress to church or a woman, um, excuse uh, <laughs> the expression, coming topless to, shir- to church. Uh, so, so it's, it's, it's like um, something shocking.
0: Right, right. And so in in that sense, this is not, and and you can see this in the language that Paul uses, that this is not something that he necessarily intends in every time and in every place concerning the matter of head covering. That principle that he lays out in verse 3 is what needs to always be confessed but given the particular time and place the matter of head covering might not be the primary thing and again you can see that in the way that he speaks i think within the text itself to differentiate this from other issues that he speaks about exactly and and
1: um uh you know it's it's like he he says that uh a a you know any any manner in which uh one deals with uh, with uh you know how they go to the barber or go to the beauty shop or anything you know I mean has has certain cultural connotations and and uh, you know the church has to be very careful how they uh, you know and, and 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 we can see that in our own world today that there is all this uh, as dr. Lockwood mentions gender bending um, you know it, it, how how are we as Christians to conduct ourselves uh, uh, you know it, w- where it Basically says how dare you uh, say that there's a difference between men and women, you know, this is a it This is a uh, an offense. Uh, This is this is violence against against uh, people in their right to self-define to define themselves in the world and uh, They should be able to wear whatever they want to they should be able to marry uh, whomever they want to and and there shouldn't be these distinctions and and heaven forbid there should be a well i i won't say heaven forbid i mean the world forbid that there be an order of creation
0: uh, keep keep us going in paul's argument here in verses seven and following he says a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of god but woman is the glory of man and then as he continues into verses eight and nine he brings up the matter of creation that man was not made from woman but woman from man neither was man created for woman but woman for man help us into this next part of Paul's argument
1: yes um and, and in this particular case uh that you ha- where you have that uh, order of creation God the father Christ uh the uh, head of the church um and and it you know if you look at that um uh you you are reminded of the psalm that that humanity is crowned with glory and honor so so it it brings glory to god um in in showing that order in which uh, man is uh the the image and glory of god and 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 of course we have to remember that uh that also in genesis 1 it does say that uh, um, so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them and um uh, you know it, it it i guess some Persons who want to be critical of the Apostle Paul saying he's a he's the rabbi here's here The rabbi is running uh, running roughshod over the Christian Apostle and uh, and 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 mentioning that the you know the man is the glory of God But the woman is the glory of the man, Uh, but but the Apostle is 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 even even Even-handed here. He balances it out by saying well, but uh, man now comes into existence through women as well there there's that reciprocity there but there is a difference in the way in which a a man uh, and and woman present themselves
0: to the lord in worship Mm. right so you have the the matter of the order of creation especially in verses seven eight and nine with this again what we talked about before the literal order of creation that god created man and then from the man's side he created the woman and he did this on purpose, the two are meant to complement each other. And so according to the order of creation, that's the way Paul speaks in verses 8 and 9. And, and also as well as 10. Now you mentioned this before we move on to the order of redemption in verses 11 and 12, because I do want to get back to that, Pastor Boyce-Claire. But you also mentioned this idea of a, a wife having a symbol of authority on our, on her head. And then this just remarkable phrase that every time I hear it, I'm still not entirely sure what to do with it. Because of the angels. And, and in preparation for our conversation today, Pastor Boyce-Claire, one of the things that I've been doing is listening to this text as I drive from church to home and back. And every time I hear that read, I kind of do a double take. Wait, what? Because of the angels? So I'm I'm waiting with bated breath for you to tell me what this means, Pastor Boyce-Claire.
1: And, and again, I think that uh, you, you point out that uh, there are some things in Scripture that we're not— uh, fully it's not fully clear and uh, uh, you know it's it does some commentators say is he speaking about good angels or is he speaking about evil angels now uh, normally when the Apostle is speaking of angels uh, he you, uh, you know he means good angels uh, because he speaks of demons in the chapter before uh, the table of demons and and, and you know the, the ancient pagan gods as being maybe a manifestation of a demon Uh, In this particular case, I think we can safely say that he's speaking about the holy angels, uh, who are the ones who uh, are there to guard uh, the order of creation. They recognize the order of creation. Uh, they are present even st john chrysostom says when you are worshiping here you are worshiping in the presence of the angels and we recognize that in the liturgy as we say uh with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore praising you and saying holy 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 and that and and so i i think it puts the 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 uh, you know he's saying you are when you are coming together for worship you also Uh, You as the church, the church is the church triumphant and the church uh, militant. We are the church militant here on earth. Uh, You know, heaven comes to earth in the person of our Lord Jesus who comes into his supper to feed us with his true body and blood. And of course, his holy angels are with him as well and so so they're they're witnesses of of our worship services perhaps we should uh you know conduct them in 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 all of the modesty and 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 the um uh and the reverence in in the lord that we should uh do it
0: yeah and and even when you think about again the nicene creed the nicene creed acknowledges the the place of the holy angels within this created order we confess that God the Father Almighty is the maker of heaven and earth, and he's the maker of all things that are visible and all things that are invisible. And so the angels have a place within this order of creation that Paul, it seems, reminds the Corinthians when it comes to the way that they live out the order of creation as husbands and wives. I think even within the collect for the day for St. Michael and all angels, we speak to God as the one who has constituted men and angels in a wonderful order or something like that. I don't have the exact quotation in front of me, but I'm pretty sure the collect for St. Michael and all angels speaks in this same way that this is a part of the created order. And so I, I think that makes good sense, Pastor Boyce-Claire, even at the same time, this I will admit this continues to remain a bit of a mystery for me, but I can be okay with that. Yeah, and, and
1: I, I mean, it's, it's really comforting uh, to... Um To to have to have that in mind and and that they are they are because they have a care for us. And and also uh, just um, just FYI, it says, um, you know, in for St. Michael and all angels, uh, you have ordained and constituted the service of angels and of men in a wonderful order. Mercifully grant that as your holy angels always serve and worship you in heaven, so by your appointment they may also help and defend us here on earth through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it, 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 I think it's fitting for that. And I, I, like I say, even though it's kind of puzzling, what do they mean yes. by that? Um, and uh, and I think it, it in the positive
0: sense that he's speaking of the holy angels being there with us. So then in verses 11 and 12, he does bring up specifically the order of redemption, which you've already helped us with, Pastor Boyce but take us more specifically into these two verses where Paul writes, Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. It seems that that opening phrase in the lord is a indicator that we're talking about the order of redemption here rather than the order of creation exactly
1: and and uh, of course it's through holy baptism all of us are baptized into christ and uh, there is neither male nor female uh, jew nor greek uh, slave nor free uh, barbarian scythian or any any type of division that all of us are 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 made one in christ who is the one who uh shed his blood to uh, cover us uh, from all of our sins to deliver us from death itself by his glorious resurrection and so that definitely uh there that it it is in that respect that uh, all of us equally have everything there is Uh, in Christ uh, for one another, for our eternal
0: life in his name. Right. And, And as you pointed out in Genesis 1, you do have the note that when God created man in his image, he did so male and female. So this is not an accident that man is male and female, that that is the image of God humanity is created in to be male and female. So this is, there's no there's no lesser status for for any human being. To be a human being is to be created in the image of God. And so this is the order of redemption that Paul brings out. And again, all things are from God. Also just the, the simple recognition that in the way that God continues to sustain humanity, he does so by the man being born of the woman. So again, there's no place for pride. Within this headship, no place of lording it over someone, but as you said earlier, this is a headship of service that 's being given, and the order of redemption testifies to that as well yes and
1: and and it's interesting, as dr. Lockwood mentions is that when when it when we depart from that when when uh, women uh, depart from it by um uh, you know, re- sort of rebelling against it, or that then they they're they're sort of outside of this this uh, beautiful order, and in fact they're making themselves inferior uh, than than what how God regards them in
0: in His His beautiful uh, ordered uh, family of faith. Uh, help us into the next verses, Pastor Boyce. Clear verse thirteen. Judge for yourselves: Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him. But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. We've got a couple of questions here. How is Paul intending these to be answered?
1: Well, I, I think it's true in the first century as it is for the 21st century, that as a general rule, um, uh, women, uh, wear their hair long and, uh, men wear their hair short. Um, and, uh, and I, I think uh, women women like the the opportunity to to um, for themselves to be um, presented in the best in the best possible way, and and they are they are certainly beautiful, aren't they?
0: <laughs> so, but Pastor Boiscler then I mean, just keep keep taking us in there, because so he says that this is something that does not nature itself teach you this thing. So that sounds like we're back into the order of creation again. Yes, exactly, and and. Um, you know i mean during i
1: remember the uh, the late 60s where where uh, we we just wanted to wear our hair longer as 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 guys and uh you know our our parents of course stepped in and said no nope, no no and of course there were some parents that allowed it to be the other way but uh i i i really think there is uh we, we can recognize it in our own lives and in our culture here today that um generally men um you know should present themselves with shorter hair and and women um, um perhaps with longer hair, although you know sometimes there there are different uh things uh, where uh, you know a woman that was completely bald was uh, was considered if if you and maybe if you remember the Star trek. Movie uh, where there was one of the characters, the lady there, uh, who, who was presented as, as totally bald. Uh, and, and, and maybe that, that's comforting to women who are losing their hair. But I think, I, I, I kind of think it's just uh, sort of a way in which the apostle is, is kind of using what we experience in, in, in natural life or maybe in society and in uh, culture that uh, supports.
0: Uh, you know, the order of creation. Help us then into that last verse for our text today, verse 16. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. What's what's he saying there as this section comes to a conclusion? Yes,
1: here he, he's pointing out that by his apostolic authority, uh, that's that's how uh, the congregation in Corinth was, was um, uh, ordered, uh, you also have the um, uh, in in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, where where the apostle Paul says, um, and of course I don't want to read all of that. Uh, it is um, the the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says and then uh, that where he says in if anyone in verse 37 this is first corinthians 14 verse 37 if anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritually should acknowledge that the things i am writing to you are a command of the lord if any does anyone does not recognize this he, he is not recognized so so here he's kind of uh, he's he's maybe guiding them with uh, his
0: apostolic authority hmm yeah okay so with with all those things in mind, Pastor Boyce, we got about three and a half minutes here as we think about this section from first corinthians eleven again the the practice that Paul is addressing may seem a little bit foreign. Hopefully, our conversation has been helpful and it's help, helped me to think about ways that this might apply to us still today. I'd just help us think through that with as we think about this text as Christians living in the United States of America in twenty twenty three uh, what are we to make of it? How are we to to make this good confession through our actions as men and women, as husbands and wives, within the church
1: today? As uh, we are enjoined in, 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 in the Ten Commandments to live godly and and uh, honorable lives in word and deed by the grace of God's Holy Spirit, uh, so we recognize the fact that um, uh, we not only live in in the 21st century in this world but we also are part of the holy christian and apostolic church and and we are called out of the world uh and redeemed by christ's blood receiving it through through holy baptism through faith and and that um uh, that we are to adorn uh our life in christ with a holy life and conversation as as it as it says in the word of god and 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 so we delight in 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 god's uh ordering of the world and and um we we want to be a part of it and uh we want to uh you know encourage others and and um just just put our put our best foot forward as christians to uh you know urge others to be a part of this um, wonderful order of salvation in our lord jesus christ and 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 even as the apostle paul says uh, you know, even though he had many uh, things that, uh, you know, being imprisoned and everything that that he wanted everyone to uh,
0: have the advantage of the life in Jesus. Mm, that's right. Yeah. And that, that's our goal is to confess that truth of who Jesus is and all that he's done for us in word and in deed. And knowing who he is, we know that the order that he has given in creation is good, not something to be rebelled against, not something to chafe at or to run away from, but rather something to be embraced, that we might experience the goodness of of his creation, the goodness of that order uh, within this order of redemption, by which the Lord Jesus has saved us by his grace, uh, completely in the gospel, in which he makes us heirs of salvation. It is Paul's desire to proclaim that good news, to know nothing but Christ and him crucified among Corinthians, even as it continues to be our desire as the Christian Church to proclaim Christ and him crucified for the salvation of sinners still today. Pastor David boyce is pastor at Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. He has been helping us today to study 1 Corinthians 11, verses 2 to 16. Pastor boyce thanks for being our guest today. It's been my pleasure enjoying the Lord. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about 1 Corinthians 11, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It is always a joy to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.